You're listening to Screening in Kingston right here on CFRC. Don't forget that right now is the CFRC Funding Drive. For all the information on how you can contribute to your local radio station, visit CFRC.ca. Without help from people just like you, great programming like Screening in Kingston wouldn't be here. We know times are hard right now, but every little bit helps. Visit CFRC.ca to participate in this year's funding drive for some great prizes and so much more. And now, Screening in Kingston. So Taylor, big piece of news. Do you remember last week when Tyler wrote in with his ridiculous big word? Yep. According to him, I said it correctly. Oh. Sesquipedalian. Good for you. Correct pronunciation. We can read. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, uh, he, I have a full email from him that I'll read in a second, but I just wanted to, to read the, the last part where he says, that it was a nice pronunciation. It's one of his favorite words. So the more people he can introduce to it, the better. I'm not surprised that that's his favorite word. Doesn't it just mean like big words for the sake of big words? Big Isn't words that what... for the sake of big words. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's exactly what it means. <laughs> so yeah, there it's very Tyler. Yeah, that checks out. Though. But I thought, let's start the show with that. Because, Great. You know, that's fun. Why not? Something interesting. Um, this week is, you know, we're going to do a little, I'm calling it a quarantine catch-up because we're going to talk about some movies that did come out. There's not a lot of them, but the ones that did end up coming out on streaming services or maybe they're COVID casualties and they were forced to go to streaming. Who knows? We're just going to talk about a couple movies. Um, I, I have two to talk about. I know you have at least one, but maybe other things will come up. You know, that's, that's this episode. In anticipation of the show... Because I knew you were going to talk about some movies you, you've seen over the past couple weeks. And I was thinking, okay, like maybe I can talk about what I've watched over the last couple weeks. Either I haven't seen anything or I don't remember, which is kind of indicative of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Well, you know, we talked about this before. And I think you, you told you, when I was telling you about what I was watching at the beginning of COVID, you told me that it was very common for people when they're feeling even like a moment of crisis or whatever, like they go, they go to what's familiar. Cause I think I was telling you that all I was doing was rewatching. Yeah. Stuff. Just what's like familiar. I wasn't watching anything new. Comfy. Yeah. Whatever's familiar makes feel good. I'm still kind of doing Yeah, me too. Like it's, it's really <laughs> tough. I've been trying to watch new things. Like I've, I've sat down to watch Queen's Gambit three times. Oh, I do want to watch it. I've heard it's amazing. And have even you the watched first episode, any of it or have you like started? I've watched it? most of the first episode and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I feel like I'll really get into this. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go put on some Star Trek. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't, I either don't continue with it or I'm just like, oh, you know what I have? I've only rewatched five times this year. The newsroom, throw that on in the background. Like, I just, I want background familiar things yeah i don't really want to concentrate we want to zone as... out yeah exactly but like, i think other than the mandalorian i haven't been watching like new tv <laughs> it's just been all things i've seen i have not heard a single bad thing about the queen's gambit oh and i will say from the the most of the first episode i watched the 45 minutes you've watched yeah the 45 <laughs> minutes of, of <laughs> that i've watched so far it looks incredible i just i haven't been in the mood i just i'm with you I have to sit myself down, and that's what I did to like watch a movie this weekend. I sat myself down, I got myself some popcorn, and I treated it like I was going to the movies. Like I sat myself down on the couch, and I'm like, I'm sitting here and watching this movie. No cell phone. <laughs> no cell phone. I'm just going to watch the movie. I'm going to eat my popcorn, see what happens. I think The Queen's Gambit will be my Christmas watching. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. I also tried... Just because I, I'm behind on it. I tried to watch The Crown just because everyone oh, yeah. talks about The Crown. And I I don't know. I, <laughs> I I watched a couple episodes and was like, is this how the whole series is? Like does, nothing kind of really happens and their problems aren't really problems. Yeah. They're just like, rich. They're, like. they're just yeah, rich and royal. Just seems like Downton Abbey all over again. They're just like, they have a lot of money and they're British. And it's just like, 
they're really worried about their reputation and that's really it and it's just not enough for me i have heard good things about the crown um i think i've watched probably how you watched the queen's gambit i think i've seen like <laughs> 45 minutes of the first episode yeah. and i'm like yeah that was okay but i was watching it i was at home visiting my dad this was pre-covid this would have been a couple years ago now i think and we started the episode and and then for some reason we didn't finish the episode and i thought oh maybe i'll watch that when i get back home to kingston i i never you just I never, never did because because <laughs> that's the thing about the crown so far like i've watched a couple episodes and, and you know me i've brought this up before with television I, I don't like to just give it one episode i try to watch several yeah. before i give an opinion on it and i just i i don't think about it when i'm not watching it and that says something to me because a lot of shows especially like when I, I think about it and I go, oh yeah, I want to sit down and watch the new episode of whatever. Oh yeah, I got to continue streaming this. I don't ever really think about The Crown. I'm just like, oh yeah, The Crown's there. You're like not excited for the next episode. So I just end up watching for the sake of watching. And that's not to say that the show's bad because the production value is really good. The acting's fantastic. Yeah, all the actors great, are really good. They have great actors attached, attached oh, to it. Oh yeah, they're all really good. It's just... I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, something, something to watch. Unlike, you know, Chernobyl, which made me go, wow, I, I gotta watch the, yeah, I gotta watch this next episode. Or even The Mandalorian that I, I said I've been watching weekly. I'm I'm excited for every Friday. Um, with The Crown, I'm kind of like, eh, I really just want to get to the stuff I know. Like, I know who Princess, um, uh, oh, check. Yeah. Princess Di. <laughs> Thank <Diana>. you. <laughs> just watch okay, the, I know her. <laughs> just watch the new season then. Because the new guess, season is Princess Diana, yeah, I guess so. It's just in the she's just in the fourth one. Yeah, um, yeah. I just maybe that's part of the. I, it's so far back that I don't really know much about this group of people. I'm like, I don't really know anything about any of you. I haven't really heard your names before, but I guess this is significant. I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of the Crown fans like come for you now. Oh, for sure. I just <laughs> said some not great things about, it. but I, again, it's. It's a nice show. It just, it just very, again, just like with Downton Abbey, I just have a hard time paying attention for an hour where like the big thing is like, who's going to buy the Abbey this week? You know, like we're got to keep it in the family, you know, that, and that being the like thing that everyone's worried about. I'm just like, I don't care. This multi-million dollar property in the family. Yeah. Like I don't care. I don't care whether you live at Buckingham Palace or on Beaker Street or whatever the other places. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I also never really got into Downton Abbey. Everyone was raving about it. And they're like, Taylor, you're going to love it. And it was just kind of like, will I though? (laughs) (laughs) And and you didn't? And I didn't. I haven't watched it. That's not to say I won't eventually one day watch it, but I'm not rushing out. No. To watch that's that the thing. Series. I feel the same way. I feel like eventually I'm going to get to all these things that people always talk about. It's just I'm not in a rush to get there. I think that's almost one of the problems with prestige TV is that there are so many productions and people rave about them, and it's like, well, they can't yeah. all be good. No, no, absolutely, they can't all be good, and and not everything's for everyone, right? Yeah, I guess that's not. The, it's about. not that they're not good because, like you said, the production value is amazing. I think just yeah. some things are going to be boring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's, those are some of the things we haven't watched. Um, <laughs> now let's talk about things we have watched. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, we'll, uh, we'll dive into some fan questions. Um, cause we do have a couple of a couple questions that came in and then we'll, we'll talk about the movies that we watched. Um, so let's, uh, let's hear from, from Josh first. Uh, Josh gives us two questions this week. Right. He wants to know if we can list our top Will Ferrell movies. So we'll talk I need to pull up a list of Will Ferrell. Well, you movies. you pull up a list. I I have a couple because like the the other guys is up there. Oh yeah. Um, for me, I I, I just there's something about that movie. Anchorman. That, Anchorman, absolutely. It probably um, hasn't aged well, to be honest. But like whatever. Sometimes and I haven't watched it in a couple years, but I remember. You know how you just like you have a memory for something. <laughs> You're like I remember how funny that was when I was younger. So good enough. Superstar. I never saw Superstar. Oh, it's good. It's a good one. Granted, he's not like the main character in that movie, but it's worth a watch. Zoolander's okay. good, but again, is he's not a he's the villain in Zoolander. 
but he i would say you know he he has the same amount of screen time as like owen wilson does because like really you're following um ben stiller yeah. around but like yeah he's he still has a lot of screen time like he is in that movie quite a bit blades of Gort glory is kind of stupid but it's it's fun <laughs> yeah it kind of it's it's on a similar vein for me with the eurovision movie (laughs) where it's kind of like it's stupid but it was i smiled the whole time i watched it (laughs) but part of that's him like that's the thing about will ferrell is like even if what he's saying is silly and stupid there's just something honest and earnest about the way he is that you just look at him and you like i start smiling and laughing he seems like a nice guy even when um, he's playing, like, dumb villains, dumb, villains, yeah. <laughs> villains, or baddies. Like, I don't know. He just seems nice. <laughs> um, the the movie that he did with, the other movie that he did with um, Mark Wahlberg. Daddy's the, Home. The, uh, Daddy's Home. Both of those movies are stupid, but fun Christmas movies. I haven't kinda, seen them. They're, they're, I, I actually think you would enjoy them, Taylor, because they're, they're similar comedy to, to the other guys. Oh, then I'll probably um, like it. But is it it's, on Netflix? Uh, I know one of them was. I think the first one was on there. Maybe I'll um, give it a watch this weekend. Yeah. See if you can find it because Daddy's Home was surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. And again, just a stupid, silly movie with a silly premise. But both of those guys do so well working off each other that, yeah, it's it's one of my tops for sure. All right. Oh, and I he's in Lego, the Lego movies, one and right? two. Yeah. And yeah. the Lego, the Lego movie, Lego movie two, it's okay, but the Lego movie is a good movie. The first Lego movies, yeah, very good, yeah. So I guess let's recap. I'm looking at the list. I like Superstar, Zoolander, mm-hmm. Anchorman, um, Talladega Nights isn't bad either. <laughs> Blades of Glory, the other guys, um, the Lego movie, and Eurovision. Were you a Step Brothers fan at all? I watched it when it came out and I've seen it a couple times, but in the grant, like I would probably rather watch Blades of Glory than the other guy or than um, Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Yeah, like Step Brothers for me has, as like an overall movie, it's okay, but it has some very, very funny bits and moments in it that are very memorable. Um, so it, it, yeah, it might might crack my list. It's just there's there's others. Yeah, like I think, Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home Two are great. You know, I, I Anchorman's great. The other guys is great. Like, I think he has. I don't know. I I probably could name. It would be easier to name the few movies of his that I didn't think were good, yeah. <laughs> that were at least enjoyable or entertaining, even if they're not high quality. They're entertaining. They're they're fun. I will say, um, when I was running, I work at an employment agency, um, and I work with youth. And when I was running my old youth group pre-COVID, we used to show clips for stepbrothers for what not to wear and what not to say in interviews. <laughs> oh, for, with their interview scene when they're yeah. in the tuxes? We used to yeah. share the, the, tuxedos. the interview scenes as to what not to do. Oh, that's the, that's the Pam spam yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So how do yeah, you spell Pam? How do you spell Pam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that but like again that's mm no only one m <laughs> that's the thing about stepbrothers i think it has moments like that that are memorable yeah when they're like at the catalina funny. wine mixer oh like that. that entire yeah. sequence is fantastic yeah yeah and uh, i really like adam scott in that movie like he, he play, playing uh will ferrell's like biological brother right his like younger brother i think like all the scenes with him and his like very strange family is is pretty good <laughs> you know what's not on this list well he's not in this movie but thinking of will ferrell um the wedding crashers is a great comedy so yet yeah, last he's week, in it he's in wedding crashers oh yeah he he's... plays the old crasher that they go to visit for <laughs> advice <laughs> Who's still living with his mom. <laughs> but to Josh's, la- I think it was Josh's question last week. What are some comedies that just like thinking about the movie makes you laugh? The yeah. Wedding Crashers was a movie that um, we quoted so much growing up. Yeah. So that's yeah. a good, that's another good Will Ferrell. He makes yeah. a cameo, but we'll count it. 
Yeah, it, yeah, he's in it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because he he convinces Owen Wilson to to go to the funeral next to pick up Linda <laughs> because yeah. he moved on from weddings and now he goes to funerals oh, to pick God. up Linda. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it, <laughs> that's where his life went. Yeah, it's he's got a really funny role um, in that movie. But yeah, there you go. There are some Will Ferrell movies. Um, his second question is: Do you have any Christmas movie traditions or plans? Or are they different this year due to the pandemic? I can say for certain my tradition is going to be broken this year. So Christmas Day and Boxing Day write-offs, like I'm always with family for that. But it's usually the day after Boxing Day. I do, I've all, I've done this for almost 10 years. I've taken it, it's about a 45-minute walk to the landmark cinema theater from, from where I live. So I would walk there and back and see a movie like sometimes two movies but see like an afternoon movie and that's been a christmas tradition of mine forever and i'm gonna have to break it this year so that's for sure different um not a lot of my christmas movie traditions have to change because i watch a lot on dvd so every year i watch the you know the classics um like the stop motion classics. So Jack Frost, um, Rudolph. So those I all own, I own on DVD. Um, every year since I've been with Dan, we watch it's a wonderful life. We own that on DVD. We already watched it this year. We were going to see it at the screening room, but now with the cases of COVID as they are, well, likely I'll just have to watch it again on DVD (laughs) eventually. Um, (laughs) Dan has a tradition of watching um, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas vacation. Vacation is that what it's called? Yeah, um, yeah I wanted to call it a Christmas story, um, but that's another one of mine. <laughs> that's another. I always, <laughs> I always watch a Christmas story every year. Um, in the old days, that would have been, you know, traditionally you would have watched them on cable. You would have watched a Christmas story on TBS because TBS aired it for twenty four hours. Um, yeah just over and yeah. over again <laughs> but um now i own all my favorite movies on dvd so really luck i in a way we're lucky our tra- our traditions will hold fast it just might yeah. change who who we watch the movies yeah. with i'm trying to think if there are any other movies that i watch every day, like muppets christmas carol um there's a couple other ones christmas with the cranks um elf um Usually I catch some of those, um, what are the, what are the stop motion company Rankin Bass? Yep. Is that what they're called? Yeah. yeah. I usually catch those on TV and watch them as well. Um, so yeah, I definitely probably watch throughout the Christmas season. Yeah. I probably watch all of those. Um, but that's just one tradition of mine that will change because it was always the day after boxing day because the Canada has a team at the world junior hockey championship. They don't play after boxing day because they always play on boxing day. So I have the whole day completely free and I'm usually not working. So I usually go on a nice long walk, get myself some lunch, go to the movie theater. At least you'll still that. get your hockey game. They're still sure playing. Will. Yeah. The world juniors is happening. Whether, they're, or, not they in a bubble. Sh- whether or not they should. <laughs> well, I mean, they're the bubble and it worked last time. Like the, the NHL did that to finish their That's season. True. No one's allowed in or out. So, I mean, kind of sucks for them over the holidays. But, you know, by now everyone's a little more used to quarantining and being, I think, on their own. So, yeah, I mean, they're in a bubble. They're doing a a lot safer than, like, football is right now where they're still traveling all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, well, this isn't a sports show. We were – I was going (laughs) to – Oh, were you going to – we're going to go – I'm ready to go down a sports path if you want. (laughs) No, that's not (laughs) Moving on. Sports talk (laughs) (laughs) with Mike and Taylor. (laughs) Um, We we made so many people mad with our climate change episode. We're just going to pivot to a whole new format. Every week, new topic. (laughs) Doesn't matter. (laughs) We'll just figure it out. Whether or not we research it or know anything about it, we're still going to give our opinion. <laughs> um, so that's that's from Josh this week, and then uh, Tyler wrote in with some interesting. Tyler's got some interesting thoughts here, Taylor. So we'll okay. we'll walk through this, um, get through his preamble, and then we'll walk through each of his ideas uh, slowly. But he has a lot of interesting insights. So let's let's hear from Tyler next. Um, he says another great mailbag episode. If there ever is a new 
tradition uh, iteration of the bingo card, I feel Austin's wacky games are going to have to make an appearance. I would agree with that. Yep. I think last week's wacky game, th- those got to come back. You know, Austin, you have free wheel. Give us another game. That was fun. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, he says, I'm looking forward to your holiday content, but am similarly worried about what the state of movies will be like in the new year. Will movie theaters be able to stay open in these difficult times? Will streaming become the only available format for cinema um, in the new normal? Will I ever get to have screening room popcorn again? All these all questions that I lie away at night thinking about, uh, along with the question, what will screening in Kingston do if there are no new movies to review? So before we get into his next thoughts because because i guess he was laying uh, in bed thinking about this because he's got a couple ideas for us i just want to maybe talk a little bit about that those are a lot of interesting questions um and i think we're, we're probably wondering that too like what's gonna happen over the next couple of months but well, you see a you lot know. of the u.s headlines unfortunately a lot of like major cha- like not even independent theaters but like major movie chains are are closing in the states Oh, there's definitely there could there could be there could be some trouble for movie theaters out there, um, and I think I think that that would be bad because I would still, if things were safe, I would still go to movies regardless of all these streaming opportunities we have. Some things to me look better being on the big screen and feel better, and I like the atmosphere. But yeah, I I've seen those headlines too. We've seen independent movies in Canada have to close. We've seen larger movie companies start to kind of close or, or strip down. And a lot of people strip to streaming service. Like we brought up last week, the whole, you know, the fact that Warner brothers was just like, forget it. Most of our stuff's going to be on HBO max next year. Like that's a huge blow to theaters when, when they start to reopen. So, um, but regardless, I want to answer his last question. What will screening and Kingston do? I mean, clearly we'll still be here. We just proved we could talk about sports. <laughs> We, like, we, we can pivot. <laughs> we're multifaceted entertainers. Yeah, we're, we're don't worry about us, Tyler. We're, we're, we're going to go off in so many different directions. You won't even know, you know, but we'll be here. Um, he does have some ideas for us, though. Oh. And we love we love his ideas because he always salvage has our, ideas. our show. Yes, to salvage this wreck. <laughs> um, so he says instead of. Sorry, go ahead. Lay it on me. Oh, okay. You're in here. <laughs> I thought you were like, wait. Nope, nope. Go ahead. Go Stop. ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, he says, well, instead of uh, sleeping, I thought I would throw some dumb ideas that may be fun your way to discuss movies um, as the country awakes for the coming vaccines. See what you think. Okay. So movie idea number one he has, double features from a hat. So oh. he says, first... First, you'll need to fill a hat with a bunch of movie suggestions. These suggestions can come from some sort of combination of your own choices, fan recommendations, entries from a famous top blank list. Um, Then whatever you find yourself without a new movie to review, you both pick a movie from the hat and you make those two films into a double feature. You can review these films and their strange juxtaposition. So I think that's a really cool idea. He has suggested this prior to COVID. Did he? He told us about how him and his wife do this. Oh, okay. Oh, so he's bringing it up again because he thinks we've forgotten. I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> or clearly I think he thinks it's such a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is his golden idea. And he's like, we got to do this. I think that's kind of no, cool, cool one. Because of what, what could the combinations be is kind of interesting, especially if we did do a lot of our own choices. Like if, if it, or, you know, maybe took fan suggestions and did like a lot of our stuff you know, we might get a very Taylor movie and a very me movie. And then like, how do you, how do you connect them? Is there a way? Is there any connection whatsoever? That might be kind of. So we should start compiling this hat. So our listeners can start writing in movies now. Cause it's going to take a while to get enough. To get enough to, to really mix it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So there's a, there's our call out fans. Start writing in, give us your movie suggestions that you'd like movies. us to review. Yeah, that you want us to review. And then we're going to 
pair it we're up. We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to review it because, you know, Tyler said so and we'll do it. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a great idea. Fans, send in your questions. No, wait a minute. What am I saying? Questions and movies. <laughs> questions and movies. I'm completely, <laughs> I don't know what's You're happening. You're off the rails. Movie idea number two from Tyler. Number two, Tyler's second movie idea, a Kingstonian cinematic pairing. So this is interesting. So he says, this one is a lot more local for the Kingston listeners. Since the Rona is putting a strain on our local businesses, it may be nice to give some sort of shout out um, to them. This could be done by reviewing a movie and pairing it with a signature meal or drink from a Kingstonian restaurant or brewery. An example comes to mind that when I watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly while enjoying the ranch burger from Harper's. Highly recommended. <laughs> Sincerely, Tyler Ceiling <laughs> Starer Vance. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's also an interesting idea because you know, with with the local flavors, and and we've had a couple people ask, like, what do you what do you eat while you're watching yep. movies? That would be interesting to kind of do a pairing. Again, I, I like going to our fans for things. If fans suggested pairings, then we we would do. I think yeah, I would need. Um more guidance on that one. I'm not a yeah. unique enough thinker to be able to be like, well, I guess you could be like, Goodfellas, spaghetti from the pasta shelf. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little broad, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that that's probably exactly what he means. I mean, if you compare it, and I would open it up to fans being like, you know, especially now we want to support local restaurants. What's your like, if you're going to watch a movie, what's your what's your go-to you know, skip the dishes or Uber eats or whatever recommendation from a local restaurant. And then we could just maybe pair it with the movie that week. Like, again, if a fan suggests it, we've proven we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're that kind of show. We know that. So, but yeah, thank you, Tyler, for those suggestions. As always, you give us a lot of cool things to think about. And I think there's lots we can do in the new year with that. Um, let's get to, uh, let's get to our movies. Let's, yeah. Let's chat. Before oh, our technical difficulties. Uh... Yeah, before this show completely is done and over with. Um, so, yeah, we, we watched a couple movies. Um, we've got them to talk about. You, you saw uh, Mank, which I yep. believe is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, I watched Uncle Frank, which is available on Amazon Prime. Um, I also wanted to briefly talk about Greyhound, um, which is a movie I actually watched a while ago. Um, it's available usually on on Apple. Is that the uh, um, TV Plus? It's the Tom Hanks. Yeah, I was gonna. World I was gonna say TV. like Forrest yeah. Gump, man. Yes, Tom yeah, Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah, <laughs> as he's also known as. Um, maybe we'll talk about that first because that's a little briefer. Because I just I I watched it a while ago and technically it did come out during during all of this sort of COVID stuff and it was supposed to have a run in theaters um, and then it ended up on Apple TV plus. And then you can also get it on demand through different services, depending upon what you have, like bell on demand has it as mm -hmm. an example. Um, so we'll talk about, maybe I'll talk about that first and then we can get into the others, but yeah, Greyhound, um, as we said, it's stars Forrest Gump. Um, and he's, you know, he's in, he basically, he's in charge of protecting boats on the sea at, at the beginning of the Americans entry into world war two. So world war two has been going on for a while. The Americans have just entered the war um, and it's based on like, it's one of those things where it's like based on true events, but none of the characters are real. If that makes right. sense. Like, like it's a completely original story, but based on something that happened, like protecting these yeah. boats. Um, Tom Hanks wrote the script, which I didn't realize until I was watching it. Um, he wrote the script and starred in it. So I guess he really wanted to get this made. Um, this is what I'll say about the movie. It's very, very like World War Two, like if you love so it's war like stories, a dad movie, one hundred percent. If you love war stories, you're gonna love this movie. It's very technical. Um, the most interesting parts of the movies is the technical stuff, like how, how do they track boats and subs, and how do they, how do they fire, and and using math and all these different things. How do they locate boats and things? You're, you're really, you're really making me want to watch this movie. Well, okay, it's <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is it's very similar to Dunkirk, where it's just it's a simple sort of it, it's it's a very simple plot, but there's different things going right. on in it, and it's very war centric. But but just like Dunkirk, they kind of give up on characters and like different plot lines, 
it's it's Tom Hanks must protect these boats. That's all you need to know about this movie. Because like even at the beginning of the movie, there's like I don't know to, to Tom Hanks. There's like a love interest where Tom Hanks wants to marry Elizabeth Shue, and she's like, "No, we just we're we're just starting a war." And he's like, "Okay." And then he never really comes back to that. Like it's just <laughs> they never got like, married. On, it was a war. Yeah, he, just, he puts on slippers that she bought him <laughs> later or something, and like that's it. Like there's nothing else. So. That's the thing about Greyhound is as I was watching it, I was like, this is something I would have preferred to see on the big screen. Right. Because watching it on small TV, it's like, it's not intimate. It's a big movie. Um, but it's not as bad as like Midway and kind of throwaway movies. Like it, Tom Hanks is really good in it. Um, the the visuals are fantastic. And I'm, I know I wasn't making it sound interesting, but I found the technical stuff actually pretty interesting. Like the way they were doing it and, and the way it was shot no i'm sure lots like, of people really would cool. like that kind of stuff yeah yeah it was it was cool in that sense but again it's the type of movie that's like i would have preferred to see it in a movie theater but i don't think i don't think it had enough like there wasn't enough you know side dish stuff it was just like here here's a nice steak but like you don't have anything on the sides and you don't really have anything afterwards like it just kind of happens and then it was over with so like a middle know, of the Hound. line like a middle of the line yeah yeah, it'd be the type of movie where it's like, oh, it got nominated for a bunch of sound design awards at the Oscars. I'd be like, oh, absolutely. Cool. Like, it's great sound design, great technical production, like, very, very well done, very well acted. But other than that, it was like a fine movie. Um, to, to me, it, it's the definition of probably, in our rating system, an airplane it, where, it, you know, if, if you have your own screen right in front of you and you can just watch something, you know, got to kill some time. It's not bad. Um, it just, yeah, it, it lacks some. It lacks some of the things that I like that make make me get really excited about movies. So that's why, yeah, to me, Greyhound, it's kind of like a an airplane. It maybe stream it. It's just I will say, not seeing this in the theaters, I think does take Made something it away from it, like a worse experience. How is the yeah. script? Is Tom Hanks a secret, uh, you know, Oscar winner <laughs> screenplay writer? <laughs> hmm. No. <laughs> Interesting. I would say <laughs> I would say no, but that doesn't mean he couldn't be. Like the dialogue wasn't ever bad. Um the the again, it was just the plot was just simple. Yeah. It was just kind of bare bones. There wasn't a lot of you know how in, in some war movies or some like more epic disaster movies or something, but but the ones that are good, there's always side plots and there's always character development and there's always like those moments to get to know people. Mm-hmm. None of that really exists in here. Um, like if you just if you if you went into the movie just knowing, and and they just throw throw you on the boat, which is almost what happens, and it's like okay, Tom Hanks is the captain; he's got to protect these boats. That's really all you need to know about the movie. Like the rest of it just kind of like happens. Um, so yeah, I think it. I think that's where you for me you lose some emotional connection. But does Tom did Tom Hanks ever write like it was a terrible dialogue? No, it wasn't. It, it, you know, it made sense. The movie made sense. Okay. So it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> anyway, there, there's Greyhound. It was fine. Um, why don't you talk about uh, Mank? I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about it because I've, I've heard so much about this movie. Yeah. So I um, watched Mank on Netflix. This was um, directed by David Fincher and it was actually written by his dad, Jack, um, uh, long before um, he passed away. So I didn't really know, um, you know, much about um, David Fincher's dad, but I guess he wrote, um, he wrote the script in the 90s, I think. Oh, so it says, okay, so the screenplay was written by Fincher's father, Jack, prior to his death in 2003. Um, and so I guess, I don't know if it was like a labor of love or what, but eventually David Fincher did get it made now in 2020. Gary Oldman, um, plays Mank, which is Herman J. Mankiewicz, who was a screenwriter, a real, like a real life screenwriter in Mm -hmm. the thirties, um, into the forties. And it's, it's, it's essentially about the writing of Citizen Kane. Um, so in real life, Citizen Kane was written by the, by Mank, by Herman Nikowicz. And, um, I guess there, in terms of film history, there's some contention about who actually 
wrote the bulk of the script. Um, it's in film history. It's sort of the, the, the credit goes to both of them, but the movie Mank is really about Herman uh, Mankiewicz. Um, about him writing the script. So I guess um, Interesting. I guess there is some contention even today um, among film historians, but this this film definitely takes the side of um, Mank, the, the main character. This movie was um, probably one of those movies that you wish you could have watched on the big screen because it's definitely yeah. a movie's movie. Like, if you love film history, if you love... Um, filmmaking kind of what goes into the bits and pieces of a movie if you love classic hollywood from the 30s to the 50s this is a movie for you it is beautiful to watch um i do wish i had seen it on the big screen it gives i get the sense that it probably was intended for movie theaters i don't know i believe it was yeah i believe it was i do think it was or at least it was going to have a run there like i know netflix was highly involved in it but like i believe it was supposed to have a run that's what i read um so yeah so um sorry dan just handed me something he handed me (laughs) my um christmas gift so the seat sponsorship certificate this certificate recognizes that dan lynch dedicated to taylor has sponsored the seat at the screening room and I'm in oh, wow. I'm, my seats located in the Roxy. Cool. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. That's... So I was a little distracted. No, no, that's great. Another, <laughs> a good opportunity to, to shout out that program at yeah. the screen room. I think it's such a cool idea. And the fact that you, you've sponsored a seat. That's awesome. I'm in row E, seat seven. So nice. in the new year, our fans can listen in the Taylor seat or can yes, sit, you can, <laughs> sit in the Taylor seat. You can seat. say, oh, I sat in the Taylor seat <laughs> and watched yeah. who knows what. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Um, so they started filming November 1st, 2019, which means that it was just kind of pre-COVID. Um, yeah, so it definitely feels like it should have been um, – it should have been a, a movie theater movie. But that being said, it was still really beautiful. The cinematography, it definitely felt like I was watching a movie from the 1940s. I, I've i talked about it on the show before. I actually don't like the look of modern filmmaking. I don't like the look of digital, of digital essentially. I really mm. miss the look of um, film and sort of that soft focus um, and so this film, I, I don't know if it was filmed on film or if it was filmed on digital. I know filmmakers really have to fight to, um, to film on film, but it definitely, um, it had that feeling. Um, the acting was phenomenal. I'll have to, there was a couple side characters that like were kind of like, ah, whatever, like hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But Gary Oldman, super, super good Um riveting performance definitely um definitely amazing um and then the sort of the other in a way she's not quite a a a second lead but she is um she does have a main part amanda seyfried Mm -hmm. amazing in a way you think like wow has she been underutilized in film like i like her as an actress but this was the first time where i was like whoa like that's that's good um, Lily Collins has a side character. Um, now just looking at the cast, um, the man who plays, um, not Orson, give me just one second, Randolph yeah. Hearst, Charles Dance. Yeah. He, I think, was in, was he in the Lord of the Rings movie? Charles Dance. The name does sound very he's, familiar. Oh, he's Lannister. He's, um. One of the Lannisters. He's like the the dad of the Lannisters in Game of Thrones. Oh yes, okay, yes, yeah. He, and he's been in a ton of stuff. So he like he's, he yeah. put in a good performance. He has like a very minor role. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that because this movie is based on film history, um, there is some parts of the movie that I just found a little bit boring. Right. Um, so a mo- the movie goes into a lot of the politics of 1930s Hollywood and um, about um, Randolph Hearst, kind of this um, publishing magnate and um, some of the politics around MGM. 
but like politics politics like it's about um uh, like uh, they're voting in a new governor of california oh (laughs) really (laughs) yeah like so it's like how it's like the intersection of that of those politics and like the studio system and then like cursed all of that stuff is important in the sense that it informs the writing of the screenplay of Citizen Kane. But there's just some of it that I just thought you could have made this sexier in a way. Like you could have made this more interesting. It, yeah. it, at some points it felt like I was reading sort of a film history textbook. And I was thinking like, hmm, like, could you have made this more interesting? Like, is this, am I just bored because this isn't part of history that I'm interested in? But then I'm like, well, it's kind of the job of the director to make boring things interesting. I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. So that would be like the movie, the runtime is just over two hours. I think it's two hours and 12 minutes. So it's a fairly, you know, it's um, it's not a short movie. Um, I would say three quarters of the movie is very interesting and very riveting. And then there's about a quarter of the movie that I could have done without and I think you could have still told the story that you wanted to tell without including some of the politics, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that that's interesting. I, I wouldn't have, because I, I knew what the movie was about, but I wouldn't even thought that was included in it. So it kind of surprises me that they, they put in like what was going on politically at that exact same time. Yeah, like they were talking about a lot about like socialists. I don't know, like mm. I guess maybe, maybe they were trying to, draw like a parallel between like the 1930s and like current politics but I'm like I don't know it kind of went over my head if they were trying to draw a parallel um I think other people would certainly still find that interesting um but just for me it didn't it didn't really do it um but overall I would say this is a very good movie I think it's going to appeal to a lot of different people I think it's going to appeal to um David Fincher fans because he's a, mm-hmm. you know, a very prominent filmmaker. I think it's going to appeal to people who have an interest in film history. I think it's going to appeal to people who just like classic looking movies. It's filmed completely in black and white. Um, one thing that I actually appreciated is the movie is almost, um, it's almost set up like a script itself. So the scenes are introduced at the bottom of the screen, it says it would be as it as it would appear in a in a script. So you know, like um, interior, yeah, in this room, interior yeah. day flashback. So um, the the movie isn't linear. It, it's kind of taking place at the time that um, Orson Welles is writing, and then um, or sorry, um, Herman Manowitz is writing or. Um, Citizen Kane, and then it, it flashes back. So that would have been the early 40s, late 30s, early 40s. And then it flashes back to the early 30s when kind of the the events are happening that inspired the, the screenplay. So it's it goes mm-hmm. back and forth. And because the yeah. movie is in black and white, um, it wasn't always easy. And all the actors are playing the same characters, you know, because it's only a 10-year time jump so it's not like they casted different actors so if it wasn't for those (laughs) title cards I would have been a little bit confused as to what I was watching so I liked that um some people might think oh that was you know not necessary but I thought it was cool it added to the extra layer of you know filmmaking and um and because the movie is about screenwriting I thought that was a nice added touch so at the end of the day, this to me definitely is a see it. If you had an opportunity to see it in theater, I think it would have been um, really great. Um, obviously, we don't necessarily have that um, option right now. So, um, you know, stream it. It's available on Netflix. It, I'm seeing Wikipedia. It is saying that it had a limited theatrical release in November, but it started streaming on Netflix December 4th. So yeah. it's getting good reviews. Like I said, I think it's it's a really good movie. Um, I think some people will find it boring though. Really? If you're not if, yeah. if you're not interested in filmmaking and film history, um, 
you'd be like, why, why do I care? Right? Like, why <laughs> yeah, do I care yeah. about Citizen Kane? <laughs> yeah, no, and you make a good point. I, I just I've heard a lot of people say, and through the kind of grapevine of people reviewing movies, that this is going to be Netflix's best chance to nag to nab a bunch of ops Oscars, like to grab a, a, a bunch of Oscars out of this. Like, did you feel like this could be an awards type oh, movie in a season no. where there are no, any? No, I, no, I mean, no, like, no kidding. Like, um, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. no oh, like, oh, like, no question. No question. Oh, okay. I think even yeah. if this movie wasn't as good as it was, it would still be up for Oscars because it's, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. Hollywood is obsessed with itself. Oh, they love movies about themselves. They love <laughs> movies about movies. And yeah. this is, this is movies about movies for movie fans. Yeah. So, but, um, that joking aside, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Oldman is nominated for Best Actor. I could see Amanda Amanda Seyfried being nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Lily Collins did okay. Like, she certainly held her own, but I wouldn't necessarily say she's up for any Oscars. Um, this would probably be up for Best Adapted Screenplay because it's actually based on... Um, I, it's, I think it's a New York Times article, which was essentially an expose about the writing of um, the writing of the script. And it was in this this article for the first time that they kind of suggested, oh, like Manowitz wrote the, the screenplay. And since then, there's been some controversy about that um, historical analysis. But so I would say this is an adapted screenplay. Um yeah, cinematography, definitely. I would nominate it. It ha- It's, I don't know, sometimes when things are in black and white, you can really appreciate how films are crafted better because there's no frills, you know what I mean? Like Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it was beautiful. Costume design, musical score was great. I'm just looking at some of the things that uh, critics have praised it for. It's been praised for direction, cinematography, production values, and musical score as well as the performances of Oldman and Seyfried. 100% agree with all of that. It's not it's not often that I'm like the the critics have it right. But in this <laughs> in this case But in this case you I agree think with they do, them. Yeah. 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 There are like I said, uh, I'm going to stick to my guns and say there were some boring parts. Um but overall, it was a really great movie to watch. Great. Especially well, because I I'm, haven't I'm been check it out. Especially because I haven't been watching a ton of stuff because of COVID. Yeah. No, it, and that's the thing. Like, this sounds like it it works, you know, also because of that. When you're, when you just don't have a lot of stuff and you see something that's done so well. Yeah. You know, it's, it just works. You just need that at this point. Yeah. No, that's great. So there you go. You're giving it a see it. Mm-hmm. Mank is a see it. Um, so yeah, for, for my movie, I was, I was actually a little torn because I had, I had, heard things about uncle frank and i was like oh that sounds interesting i'll check that out but then i saw that netflix dropped the prom uh musical and i was like well (laughs) i've either got to watch the prom or uncle frank like i have a choice here do i do i watch the prom do i watch uncle frank um and i chose uncle frank because i didn't want to do that to myself (laughs) Um, yeah the prom's not getting very good reviews i mean it sounds it sounds awful and it sounds like everything i hate about um putting musicals into into movies um but anyway yeah i decided to watch uncle frank because i just thought you know it it sounds instead of going after something because i could probably rip into the prom for 15 minutes but why not wait did you watch the prom no (laughs) no (laughs) this would be kind of unfounded (laughs) no i i I have zero interest and after a friend of mine who's slightly more inclined to like that type of thing told me that she had to turn it off after about 10 15 20 minutes like not even really into the movie had to turn it off so at that point i was like nope <laughs> i'm not i even didn't realize try. that there's like a musical aspect to the oh yeah it's it, it's a musical it Wait, was a is stage this musical the mu- movie with nicole kidman yeah and uh, james corden and I meryl have- streep but this was no a musical like, this is a broadway musical. musical that is now um, a movie because you know you do that and apparently it's just atrocious. Maybe that will be when we do our musicals 
our musical versus superhero oh, movie. Yeah, we'll throw the prom in there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll throw the prom in there. That'll be good. Um, but yeah, I did. I did watch Uncle Frank. And the funny um, thing is, I was almost going to watch Uncle Frank until I remembered about Mank. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm you glad said that. You, yeah, you, you were going to watch yeah. it. So yeah, I'm glad we're talking about because you know this is the thing. I I this is the movie that I I sat down and did like a matinee thing where I got myself some popcorn. I watched it at one o'clock and I just sat there and watched it. Um, and it did remind me of the type of movie that you would see at the screening room, you know, any given week and something we would kind of review. Um, Uncle Frank is, it's a really, um, really, you know, it's a story you've probably seen before. It's it's about um, Paul Bettany plays. I love Frank. him. He's, and he's great in this movie. Like, he's probably the best I've seen him in years. Like, very dialed in. Um, Paul Bettany plays Frank who his family is all from the South. He's from the South. He's moved to New York. Like he's now a professor um, in New York, but his family is still all um, located in the South. And his, you know, he's got like the very stereotypical father um, who's just a jerk, just an awful, awful human. Um, And you've kind of got the very, like very, very stereotypical South family. Um, And Frank is gay. And nobody in the family knows that. So this story is kind of centered around him and the sort of acceptance of oneself, but also kind of coming out to the family. Um, but the whole movie is framed through the pretty much through the eyes of one of his uh, nieces, who's played by um, she played Beth in um, in it. the It movies. Yeah in it she's talented uh, she's very talented uh young actor who's just kind of her name's beth in this as well <laughs> which she's is funny doomed. She's, she's doomed, doomed to, to always be beth. beth um so beth uh is is uh you know she she he, she and frank connect because she's she's you know he sees something in her she's smart she was kind of of the world she gets she ends up going to university in new york so they end up being in the same city they connect and it's it's a road trip movie this is basically about the two of them having to go back home for a funeral and having to see kind of the whole family again. Um, so it, it ends up being about so many things. It's it's a coming of age story for Beth. It's a kind of a coming out story or accepting of oneself story for Frank. But it's also a road trip movie about these two characters really trying to get to know. Gotta love a road trip movie. Yeah, and it and it just like it works for all those things. Cause you can tell this is one of those movies that not only is extremely well written, but the, the person who wrote it, so this is an Alan ball movie. So Alan ball did six feet under, um, true blood. And, uh, oh, what's that? Um, what's that movie? Um, the American, uh, American beauty. Right. Um, and he, it's clear he knew these, he wants to hit these certain story beats but knows so clearly how to write around something. So you end up make, having a movie that's about one or two specific things, but but really introduces you to so many concepts, so many different things. And it's done, it's like written so beautifully and it's such an interesting story that you just sort of, you almost forget everything you know about the characters and just focus on these two likable humans traveling together, um, as well as, a couple other people, but I don't want to spoil anything because there's a couple fun moments in there. Um, the movie's great. It, it's really, really well done. I think the performances are, are spectacular. Even like his family, who you kind of see kind of sporadically, but um, Stephen Root, who's who's a big character actor who's been in a ton of things, is in it. Judy Greer, who's in everything, is in it. Steve Zahn, like all these people who you probably would recognize if you saw their faces. They're, they all are fantastic in the movie. Um, the one criticism I had was, okay, this is going to be hard. I'm going to have to half explain something, but without getting into spoilers, the movie has like a, a climax point, which is really well done. The climax of the movie is extremely well done. It's very interesting. It, it suits the story very well. It wraps things up, but then the kind of aftermath and, and the way the movie itself finishes up kind of made me go, okay, all right. <laughs> Sure. And it just seemed a little unrealistic and a little like... Cop out? Oh, okay. Yeah, almost. Almost like a, the safest thing to do. Mm. 
which was not what I was expecting from a movie that was tackling a lot of very interesting concepts, um, tackling religion, tackling um, uh, sexuality, know, rights, tackling sexuality. Um, uh, I mean, this set in the seventies. So even like what it means to become a teenager um, during that time, like all these things are being, are being talked about and thrown at you. And then the ending, I just, I was like, yes, yeah, seems so safe. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I guess so. But that just, it just kind of left a feeling of, oh, especially after such an interesting climax to the movie where it wrapped up something interesting. You kind of discover things. It's a movie of discovery too. You discover things about the relationship between Frank and his father throughout this movie. You discover things about their family throughout the movie. And you again, you're through the eyes of kind of this young teen who's looking up to her uncle, who's in part of this family, but's also escaped to this other world. And is like realizing that people think differently in different parts of the country. And it's so interesting in that way that, that when it ends there, there was this satisfactory climax where, Oh wow, that, that really tied in well. And then the movie starts to wrap up and you're like, Oh, oh okay. Great. Great. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, it, I, it just sort of left a weird, where I just thought, you know, you probably took the safe route of that. And maybe that was the point. Maybe that there was a, you know, the point of this movie was not necessarily what happened at the end. It was more the, the Frank um, dealing with things within himself. Right. And I think that that's probably what the point of the movie was, but yeah, there was just a few things at the end where I was like, really? Like that's, I don't know. That just doesn't seem realistic to me. Um, but with that being said, that's my only criticism of the whole movie. I thought it was very well done. It's a fantastic coming of age story. Um, it's got two, two or three like characters where you're like, these are really likable people, and you like spending time with them. Um, and I think that that that's kind of what made it interesting for me. So I, I'm giving it a see it because I, I do think it's worth a watch. It's a great, I will say, it's a great matinee movie. It's a great Saturday afternoon movie. It's 95 minutes long. It doesn't even feel great. It feels like it's an hour. Yeah, it's fantastic. It feels like an hour. The, the movie's done and you're like oh well i want to see more like there's more still do here, your laundry. <laughs> yes exactly yeah <laughs> that's, that's a great that's a great way to put it um but yeah i i i did really enjoy uncle frank i think it's a great story um and yeah i i, I want to look up her name here um sophia lills i think she's more interesting than granted i've only seen her in it chapter one and two but I think she's more interesting than Millie Bobby Brown. Hmm, I don't know about that. Millie Bobby Brown's pretty good. Um, but I, 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 what I won't disagree with you is that I think her and Millie Bobby Brown could both just be stars. That's true. I shouldn't put the them against level. each other. They they're probably going to be on the same level. Yeah. They're, they're probably going to be like I would say in ten years they're Oscar winners. Like they're both right. They're both that talented, but. I mean, I've only seen her in It Chapter 1 and 2 and this movie. Yeah. But they, but phenomenal. Like, she's very, very, very good. And you know what, how it is with teen actors. You just never know. It's true. <laughs> like, she, oh, could decide, she could decide just to go and become a lawyer and That's never true. act again. I hope not because I think it would be great. And I think, again, talking about her and Millie Bobby Brown, if they were in a movie together, I think that would oh, be Oh, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I think it's it, very good. So, yeah. Shout out to her. I thought it was a really good movie. So Uncle Frank to me is also a see it. Um, I think it's, I do think it's worth a watch. I think there's, it's just, eventually I want to talk to someone who's seen it about, about the kind of end of the movie and, and we'll have a chat about it, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone there. Cause, cause there is some interesting things. You don't know what's going to happen as they continue along their journey. So definitely go watch it. Check out Uncle Frank. Cool. So there you go. Those are our, that's our quarantine catch up. Not bad. A couple movies. Two sees, yeah, a couple things. Who sees it, sees it, and uh, one airplane. airplane. But the airplane is not that negative. It's still like, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's soft enjoyable. airplane. Greyhound was enjoyable. Yeah, soft airplane. Um, there were other movies out there, but there's not much. <laughs> like, again, we're not, we're not going to talk about the prom yet, and I have zero interest in seeing the Road Rage movie. Yeah, we, um, we're not going to talk about the movies we haven't seen. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> though we almost did. We should, we should have an episode of like let us talking about things we haven't seen and why and just trying. Yeah. Why we have not and trying to describe what we think the movie's about. I'd listen to that episode. 
Yeah, so no, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. There you go. That's a third idea. We've got Tyler's two ideas, then we got that one. Oh, that's um, great. So there. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of, of uh, this week's episode. Uh, everyone, yes, yeah, stay tuned. We've got holiday-themed episodes coming up for the next couple of weeks, and then a fun kind of end-of-year episode uh, to take us into 2021, where we're taking, I, I do believe it was, might have been Austin or Colt. I don't remember who. Someone wrote in with a suggestion for us to kind of do like our own awards. So we're going to do it our way. Taylor and I are going to look at all our see all our stream all our airplane all our skip and kind of pick the best and worst of each category. So we'll do that to wrap up uh, 2020 and to kick off 2021. And then we've got some holiday episodes coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Go stream some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.